The following program is a Podcast One.com production. And here it is. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> can you hear me now? I sure can. Excellent. Skilly bee bop 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 bidiggity boo. Skilly bop bop bing at the bow wow. Lots of, lots of energy, man. Lots of energy. I know. I was going to... I've given up on scat singing, but then I realized Anthony Kiedis had made the, the last 20 years of his career on it, so why not? So now, how many weeks into parenting are we here? Four. Four weeks? Yeah. God, has it been that long? Yeah. It's going fast, right? Yes, it is. And she's getting big. She's cute. My wife? No. Oh. Yeah, no, baby. my baby is. It's Well, I mean, she's getting big relative to how big she was when she started. Yeah, I mean, she's had that rapid growth thing. They go down, they go back up. Yeah, people keep wanting me to post pictures on uh, Instagram and stuff, and they don't understand that I'm not going to. You have, though. I have not. Maybe your wife did. Yeah, but you're a private mm. viewer of my wife's Instagram. My wife I has see. like 12 followers. I see. I and I, you know, I, I posted one picture the day she was born of me holding her, and you uh. can't really see her face, you know? Yeah. But uh, that's that, man. She's cute. Thank you. I'm going to send you pictures right now, just so you personally, so you can see. But uh, she has uh, developed quite a bit. So how have how has your sort of, forget your outlook on life, which we've heard a little bit about. How about your outlook on parenting? Your month in. Yeah. Which thought it was? Yes. Different in any way? Yes. How? Um, I don't think that I'm as... I don't think that I, uh, I don't think I, I'm as dramatically changed as I thought I would be. That's the only difference. Okay. I thought I would have this weird, like, complete different outlook on the world, and I, I don't. Right. I, I, I'm certainly a lot more self-aware, and I think that I'm a lot more concerned with the real issues in my life as opposed to kind of superfluous and, and yeah. superficial stuff. Right. Um, but I, but I, do, it's not like I, I, I completely view like my entire purpose in the world or the, or the world around me in a different way. Really? It, yeah. That you did a, don't you a little bit? No, I just, I just want to devote all my efforts and everything into making sure my baby. That's safe. different. Not really. It's just, I, of course I have a child now. So now I want to devote my time to a child. It's not as if I look at the world differently. You know, does that uh, make no, any sense? I, I understand the diff- the world differently. No, but, but. Your purpose in the world a little differently. Oh, my purpose, yeah, has changed yeah. radically. My purpose yeah. has changed 100%. It was yeah. kind of self-serving in a way, and now it's not. It's completely not self-serving. Yeah. And if it wasn't, I would be concerned. I mean, I, I am I am utterly not self-serving now. Right. I, I, I don't eat when I'm hungry. I don't I don't sleep when, I have, when I'm sleepy. I, everything revolves around making sure that my child is okay and safe. Right. You know? So that, yeah, that so in that regard, I think— Did you think you would be like that? Yes. I hoped I would be like that, okay. actually. Yeah. I was— um. My only concerns going into parenting were that I wouldn't be, you know, that I'd still want to, like, spend money on clothes for me or or want to, like, always, like, be worried about going to the gym or something, you know? That's a funny picture you sent me. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's, Very that's her this afternoon kind of just chilling. And she, her, her, she has, like, uh, Raquel Welch's hair already. It's true. She does. Like, so much hair. <laughs> I told my brother-in-law, my, my wife's brother not my brother-in-law my sister's husband my wife's brother who is a quadriplegic no dual amputee right yeah he has no legs so dual amputee um he's also bald at 32 or something you know he's pre- almost completely bald 
And I told Andre the day he she was born, I was like, man, you are going to be so pissed. Not only does she have more hair than you, she has twice the limbs. <laughs> You're all hard. I know. That's nice. He appreciates the fact that I don't, you know, make it an issue, you know? Yeah. I think. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he, that's his, his world. His life now is that. Right. I and people, I, and everybody dances around it with like kids' feet, you know, and yeah. it's it's funny. Like he doesn't have he has he has zero legs. Like it's not it's not like not apparent when you meet yeah. him, regardless of how good a guy he is, and he is a great guy. I'm so lucky to have the in laws that I do. He has no legs. I mean, let's yeah. not let's call a spade a spade. It's yeah. it, it's pretty glaring, you know. Right. That's like when we talk to people on Loveline. You're like, I can't get a boyfriend or I can't get a girlfriend. But okay. Tell us something that's massively important before we go down this whole path. And like you, you neglected to mention that you have all you have uh, Parkinson's or something, you know, or right. that you have you're 440 pounds, which is really kind of frustrating when you're dealing with people like that, isn't it? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. It, it's it's not even one fifth as frustrating though to me as the people who go, nope, totally normal, never had any uh, tra- trauma growing up. Uh, my mother m- murdered my father. When I was yeah. five, that, but um, you know, like I'm over that now. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Over. I don't think that applies. Oh. You know, and, and we get that four minutes into a phone call. You know, Duh. the people who are ashamed or or shameful about things that they don't want to talk about, I get that, and I, you know, I almost cut them some slack. It's the it's the indignant shitheads who then make us go through this weird gauntlet before they agree to talk about stuff. You know, or or if you s- suggest them that maybe they look into their trauma as opposed to all the other. What could potentially be spurious preoccupations in their lives or in their relationships? Not could be. Or, you have to say that because you're a doctor. They are spurious. Yeah, but you know? you, then that's how I got in the. That's how endometriosis became a thing. Oh yes, you know, and and the person didn't have endometriosis. I know, I know. If she had it. He would have told me about it. Anyway, and, and I try not to. I, I've I I stopped with the insults towards the cunts that. Uh, oh, good. Thank you. That have um, that wasn't helping me. Yeah, I know. I and so I stop, but then I start at least like when the tweets kind of keep uh trickling in, I, I'll like investigate them. Yeah. I'll go li- and all the fucking women are losers. Every one of them that keeps going on this anti-Dr. Drew endometriosis thing. They're all fucking losers. Every one of them. I, when I investigate their Twitter feeds and then go and fo- go to their blog, which they have posted, you know, the link on, I'm always like, oh god, thank god you fucking hate us. I'd be sh- <laughs> I'd be so pissed off if you like were on my side, you dumb dolt. Um, I'm not sure this is going to help me either, mm. but good, good for you. Hey, this is me talking, not Doctor yeah. Drew. This is me talking. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I listen. Do, if you are upset about what's going on, continual, continually after Doctor Drew's apology, again, apology based on your inability to understand things, not on Doctor Drew saying something insulting. Um, but if you, if you continue to have uh problems, direct them to Mike Catherwood, not to Doctor Drew, because he has had nothing to do with this. This is all me. Throwing these 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 Insults. offensive, insulting yeah. terms out. So I'm doing uh, Andy Cohen tomorrow. You are watch that live. Yeah, tell him I said uh, I'm a, I'm a huge I'm a huge fan, and I, he's really been an inspiration to me. The 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 Bravo guy, Andy Cohen. Yeah, 
Really? Why? It's a huge inspiration. He started as a guy as as an intern and then was behind the camera at the Today Show, dreaming, always dreaming that he could be a broadcaster, that he could be a a cameraman. No, no, no. He was like a he was a producer. He was a smart guy. I mean, he 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 had a career as like a like a segment producer. And he that, always that's w- already a rough job. I know. I mean, Listen, survive in that world. This, we're talking 25 years ago. I mean, yeah. he looks great for his age, but he put in his work. And mm-hmm. he always dream. And he had like some type of uh, serious speech impediment. And really? they told him, they said, "Look, you'll never be in front of the camera." It's Hang just on. Not- wait, wait. First of all, it's really good that you're telling me all this because I, I need this history before I go in there. Tomorrow. Yeah. So tell me uh, more. Yeah. Listen to this. I mean, uh, yeah. he's a huge inspiration to me. And I want to uh, take another uh, moment after this. Uh, remind me. To talk about, I want to dedicate a, like at least five minutes to talk about another very inspirational person in my life that means a lot to me, even okay. though he, I don't necessarily know if he would recognize me. Um, okay. okay. I, he, Andy Cohen started off as an intern, as a male guy. He wanted to be in TV. Male guy? Yeah. I mean, he was like a in nobody. The mail room? Right. I mean, he was a nobody. Um, okay. He got a degree in broadcast journalism. I think, I believe he went to BU, which is, you know, the preeminent place in broadcast journalism no i mean like stern went there and everyone knows like the boston area as far as uh colleges go is a is a feeding ground for a breeding ground not a feeding a breeding ground for great broadcasters and and stern of course you know the 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 master the king went to bu so uh and he 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 interned at cbs a new i believe alongside julie chin um Mm. who was also working as an intern and he spent 10 years at CBS News and then, like, the early show, 48 Hours, all these CBS shows. And then he went on, to, you know, after he had already been told that he was not going to be in front of the camera, he got this huge career behind the camera. And finally, when he became CEO of Bravo, when he, or excuse me, uh, executive vice president, um, he put himself in front of the camera. And people love him, mm-hmm. you know? And he's only received great, great, uh, you know, uh, uh, pra- praise for what he's done in front of the camera. So it's like he's just this guy who never gave up, and he always had this dream. How did you learn the history? Um, listening to interviews and, and reading about him, and, and then also, like, w- as he came out and, and started kind of fought back against uh, discrimination for for gay and lesbians. Sure. Um, I, I read more into his story because he was getting a little bit more press. And, and it's just from there, I, I, you know, as a guy who also started – at the bottom, and then made his way but I'm into looking, I'm, I'm, a career I'm in broadcasting, in hopes look- to have a bigger career in broadcasting. Yeah, he gives a guy like me hope, and he's really, really inspirational. And I and I, I like I like what, I like him on TV. I like him as a person, and I just really look up to him. So, um, um, but but you know, listen, it's interesting when you look at his history. I mean, it wasn't like he was an overnight success, as you say. He spent ten years at CBS News and was a senior producer of the early show. That's no BS. Oh no, he, that's, most, that's a career for most people, listen, right there. He had a dream career for people, even if he never transitioned to being in front of the camera. Yeah. He had a dream career in television, as far as behind the camera. Yeah. Um. So, so that's that. And then he, he was so powerful that he said, "Look, I'm going to initiate my own dreams. I'm gonna, I'm gonna manifest my dreams coming true." And it all, and it only worked out for him. It didn't. It's not like people. Uh. It's not like people shit on him for getting in front of the camera and he sucked everybody yeah. loves him and i and it i just think that that's so great you know it's like it's really a, a a beautiful story you know more people should um should appreciate him for that and people like him you know who just n- refuse to say no no matter how many people shit in his face and mm. and i pardon me to use such harsh language but really that's 
kind of how nasty it gets in television. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Drew can you can attest to that. Yeah. When you when you fail and when people reject you, it's not minor. It's not like in other fields. It's not like being an attorney or being a, an accountant. It's not like if a, if a, you apply for a job and you don't get it. It's just like we're very sorry. Our our firm does not feel like we're we're capable of taking on you taking you on as a as a CPA at this time. And hopefully, maybe we can work in the future. It's you fucking suck. How dare you come in my office? And and for you know to consistently get that kind of shit over and over again and still power through, it says something about a person. And and mm-hmm. I and I uh, and I appreciate that. You know so. Anyway, that's why he's inspiring to me. Well, he's a nice guy. I, I when I, the Stern birthday party, he was at the table with us. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, do you guys chit chat? Uh, yeah, we did. I said, "Look, I went dying to come on the show," and he goes, "Yeah, done and done." And Does that he was, find you, know, you to be a silver fox? I don't know. Do you think I, you could I, fuck Andy Cohen? Uh, interesting question. Let, let me I need th- that asked tomorrow on the show. Okay. I need you to uh, say my co. It's, this is not me talking. I would never do this, but my co-host on Loveline needs to know if you find me attractive. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. Let me. I'll try to remember that. And because I'm going to be like on my toes, you know, preparing for whatever comes slung my way. Right. Um. And and what was the other thing I wanted to ask about? Oh. Uh, oh yeah. We, we have to drink on the show. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So by the time, God damn, by the time I get around to HLN and then this tomorrow night, oh. Basically, going to be having a drink at nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah, essentially. And a couple things. Yes. There's no way to turn it down, right? No. What the alcohol? Yeah. Of course there is. What if I was on the show? I mean, I was obviously I wouldn't because I'm not a star. But someone like myself who's in recovery, you say I don't drink. Well, but of course I do you drink. can turn it down. I, I, but I, my point is, I'm not into bumming anybody's high. I'm yeah, not don't be a pussy. Thing there. Yeah, Dr. I don't want to. I don't want to bum their whole thing. Well, have a glass oh, of I would wine never or drink on your show. I know, but have a glass of wine or something it might actually help you sleep. Sleep? It's going to be. It, 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 oh, oh, you think it's nighttime? It, it's recording like two in the afternoon, but, Eastern time. And then you're going to go do HLN, or you're going to be coming off. Then I'm going to go do HLN. Oh, then oh. I'm going to go do Loveline. Well, then, then tell them, hey, hey, guys, listen, we're all cool. Water this down for me. No, we're all, we're all. Professional. No, but wait, here. let's assume I have to drink. Let's just assume that. Okay. Yes, you say fr- this. You cock. Let me talk. You say, we're all professionals here. I got to do another TV show and then another live radio show in West Coast time. Can you hook me up? Pour me some club soda and don't reference it. No, no, no. They've already made a big deal uh, out of the fact that I, it's Cinco de Mayo. I have to have a margarita or a beer. And they've, they've been like, you're, you're, if you're coming on, this is what you have to do. So don't have a margarita. Th- don't be a pussy. Wait. Right. Right. And so it doesn't mean I have to drink, but I just have to sort of fax, pretend, mm. you know, or at least to have just, it, uh, nurse it. Sip on it. Yeah. Yeah. Just nurse so, it. But the question is, are people going to freak out about that? No. And if they do, you say, I'm going to fucking choke you. Do you see these <laughs> arms? You see my muscular right? Look at my arms. Say, look at them. Look at my fucking biceps. Yeah. I will snap your neck like a breadstick. See, That's you can't really do that kind of stuff. It's really, <laughs> and I That's can't so do that funny. kind of stuff because I walk around at 168 pounds. So, even the but here's the thing: here's where I trump you in that I'm I'm a little guy and I really probably can't do much. But when I go to somewhere and someone disrespects me or someone tweets me like shit, I will actually do it. Like they know you can't do that because you have a life and a family and a career. Yeah, yeah. I will fucking choke. Like I was thinking about like if I was on Tosh or if, if like. He said something about someone's wife. I forget who it was. Daniel Tosh, I'm talking about. Yeah. And, and? I, and I was like, funny joke. Don't get me wrong. And Daniel's an f- incredibly funny guy. But I was like, if he said that about Bianca, I'd find him and I'd fucking choke him. 
And I don't mean that as like a figure of speech. I'd strangle him and yeah. make him pay. Yeah. And and I and I wouldn't think twice about it, like how it would affect my career or what. If I was at a restaurant and a guy like smacked my wife on the ass or something, I don't care about my career. Like I would punch his face in, you know, right, like I right. may get my ass kicked, right. but I'm going to act on it. You know, like where I feel like a lot of these like Hollywood tough guys, like these guys that walk around like uh, like they're, you know, they, they play an action star. So they think they can go around actually kicking ass. Like they're not going to do that. I will start a fist fight. You know that's what happened to Ricky Rankman. He somebody talked about shit about his wife on the radio, and he went in there and punched, beat the guy up, and that was the end of his radio career. <laughs> yeah, ah. yeah. yeah but no, it, was, it was, but it was like a, it was a K Rock employee, right, or someone? It was not K Rock. It was back at uh, KLSX, I think. Right? It was ninety seven one. Ninety seven one. Oh, when yeah. he was doing that heavy metal show. Right? No, he had like an, it was uh, Triple R Radio, Ricky Rackman Radio, and he had like an afternoon drive shift. And it was uh, the guys that came on after him. I can't even remember it, who. It, well, it was uh, Conway Conway Steckler. Steckler. Yeah. Got to be, right? It was, I guess it was. It was yeah. Doug Steckler. Oh, no. It's got to be Steckler because Conway yeah. wouldn't do that. No, it was Doug and Steckler. They, they were talking a lot of shit for a while, and he pretty much, Ricky was cool at first. He's like, listen, you got to stop doing that because I will you know, get out of control and but I will fight different, you. And then they, And then he kept it up. And Ricky stayed after the show waiting to see if he was going to say anything. Sure enough, he said something, so he rushed in the studio. But Okay, that's different. And I'm not backtracking on what I said. I think it's different in that, like, if I was on the air with a colleague and he was talking shit about me, then you got to have a sense of humor about yourself. You, that's more you got you're taking yourself too seriously. I'm talking about what people think that because well, Dan Tosh is, a, is sort of a colleague, no? Of me, uh, we don't yeah. work together. He makes his own. I'm saying like if I was sitting at home watching TV and he's like, "Oh, and what about that pig on it, on Rules of Engagement?" I'd be like, yeah. "Okay, next time I find next time he's at the Hollywood Wait. Improv." First of all, your wife should be pissed if you're just assuming he's talking about her. I'm saying if I knew he was talking about her. I, okay. I, right. I use that as an example. Because this is what he, he said something about, like, like this guy, because he married this girl, he convinced us she was hot. And then he put a picture of her. And then he made, like, a like a oinking sound. It was funny, but I was like, dude. I'm like, if I was that guy, I think it was, like, Charlie Shearer. I was like, I might, I might punch Daniel's Tosh in the fucking head. The next time I see him. Now, McHale, mm-hmm. do you remember this, Drew? Joel McHale was making fun of Mickey Rourke on The Soup on uh, a while ago. <laughs> and Mickey Rourke flipped out and was, like, looking for him and wanted to kill him. <laughs> see, but I don't care if people make fun of me. That That is different, I think. It's like if people, it's in the same ballpark. I it is in the same ballpark. But plenty of people, like George Lopez cl- clowned me a lot on his talk show when I was on Dancing with the Stars. He's like, first off, this guy dances like shit. And secondly, I thought it was called Dancing with the Stars. I've never heard of this person. And I was like, yeah, it's funny. I, like, I, not one part of me got angry. Did you go on like, his show after that? No. Oh, he should have gone on. I would, Drew. Like, again, this is Drew assuming I live in his world. Yeah. Drew, no one invited me on the show. What do you uh, <laughs> like? It what just point? seems like if you'd made an appeal that it was, if it was a shtick, yeah, who was appeals to go on a late night talk show? I mean- if you could appeal to get on a late night talk show and get on late night talk shows, they'd be deluged with, in, with people requesting to be on late night talk shows. All right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. You but know, yeah, like I you just and have I have a feeling this, if it, if it you and I have the same management. You showed up and went, "Hey, I'll I'll come up there and we'll let's let's make a deal out of this." I understand. You and you I have the same management, so I yeah. know firsthand. There's many people, the Bill Mars, the Andy Cohens, the George Lopez of the world, who reach out and say, I'd love to have Dr. Drew on the show, and then you go on the show. It doesn't work that way all for right, me, right, right, okay? Right. Here's what I want to do. Yes. Uh, I want to take a break, right? Do we need to take a break, Anderson? Yes. Okay. And then I'm going to come back and talk about Joel McHale and the White House correspondence. Nope. There. not You're not. Because first, I have to talk about Joel McHale. And I already called dibs 
earlier when I said I need five minutes to talk uninterrupted about someone who's been incredibly inspirational. Is that it? Yes. All right, after the break. All right. Dr. Drew? Yeah, Mike? TrueCar.com is the new way to buy a car. It is changing car buying forever. Simple, fair, and it's a fun way to buy a car, that TrueCar.com. And you save time and money, and you never overpay. Buying a car is a not-so-fun experience for most people, what and it doesn't happen. What are you talking about? I love talking to those salesmen with the big, wide ties. Come oh, on now. come on. Drew, now you're just being crazy. No. The TrueCar.com, they help you get rid of the fear that you might overpay. Here's how it works. TrueCar.com analyzes what people are paying for their cars in your market, shares it with consumers so they never overpay. The average savings is $3,046 off MSRP. That's, that's insane. Over yeah. a million cars have been sold. By our True Car Certified Dealer Network, over 40,000 cars were sold by True Car Certified Dealers just last month. Over 7,000 dealers in the Certified Dealer Network. One in five dealers is a True Car Certified Dealer. And those certified dealers go through a certification process, and you work directly with a True Car representative that will honor the savings that you lock in. So here's the three-step process. Three-step. Guaranteed savings. First, go to TrueCar.com. Find out what others paid for the same vehicle in your market and around the country. Second, register at TrueCar.com to see upfront pricing information and lock in your savings certificate. And third is simple. Print out your certificate. Take it to the TrueCar certified dealer for better, hassle-free buying experience. TrueCar has the most comprehensive new car pricing information available and a certified network of dealers that offers a hassle-free car buying experience and negotiation-free guaranteed savings. TrueCar.com. Boom. Hi, this is Jed Apatow. Hear my conversation with Brett Easton Ellis. Hey, what's up? This is Kanye. Hey, man, it's Kevin Smith. Hear my conversation with the great Brett Easton Ellis. Hello, this is Marilyn Manson. I'd like you to listen to me on the Brett Easton Ellis podcast. Hey, this is Brett Easton Ellis. Check out my podcast on Podcast One, where my guests and I will be discussing all the issues that keep the pop culture world moving, talking, and thinking. It's the Brett Easton Ellis podcast on Podcast One. Welcome back to the Mike and Drew show. Uh, we were talking about Drew's upcoming appearance. Actually, it should be it should be available to you guys sometime soon, regardless, uh, depending on when you download this podcast of Drew's yeah, it's appearance up, it's on up. It's up. Andy Cohen's uh, show, uh, live uh, Bravo Live, or plus, I, don't I think know. I'm doing the uh, the uh, we will have recorded the uh, after show online too. Okay, there you Two go. Shows. There you uh, go. Uh, yeah. yeah, Bravo Andy. You know what's the show? Andy Bravo. Watch what happens live. You watch what happens live. Thank you, Drew. Um, so, yeah, I was saying how much I admired Andy Cohen and how much of an inspiration he's been to me. Um, and then I said, I need to talk about someone. I want to dedicate at least five minutes or, you know, what will seem like five minutes because I'll be a blowhard to someone who's even been more inspiring, even though he probably wouldn't recognize me in person. Bullshit. And, and that is Joel McHale. That's bullshit. And Joel, let me tell Joel's, you. Wait, okay. wait. Joel's the kind I of guy. I said uninterrupted, and Drew can't even let me get five seconds in. Well, I'll let you say it uninterrupted. I'm just saying that I guarantee you Joel is very keen on people, and he would know you for sure. Well, here's the thing. I didn't mean that as an insult to him. I meant that as, like, I, I don't. It's an re- insult to him. He would take that as an insult Listen, to him. Listen, I, I meant it know, as I don't really know Joel. I mean, he's been I, a guest on Loveline, and, yeah. and we, he's been a guest on Kevin and B when I've been there. But it's yeah. not like we're we're not friends or anything, but. I, I I kind of know him, and he we've shook hands and had conversations. My point being is that last night he hosted the White House Correspondents Dinner, and to me it was it was I was almost on the verge of tears when I woke up this morning and watched Meet the Press, and they were showing clips of him just murdering at the at the Correspondents Dinner, and he was so poised, and you could tell he was so happy to be there. What a what a incredible watershed moment for him in his career. And the reason it's so inspiring to me is because he used to come into the Kevin and Bean show when he was just getting started on the soup. 
And he's just a guy who really worked hard and was humble and honest and had great ambition and has worked very, very hard at being good at what he does, and he has succeeded. He's a tremendous host of The Soup, and he's a tremendously talented comedic actor on Community and other movies that he's been in, and he just has never seemingly needed to pull any strings or play any dirty tricks. He just kept his nose down and worked really hard and never to, you know, never said no to things and always kind of was a man who grinded it out. And for me to see that and to see him now hosting the White House Correspondence Center, it was so unbelievably heartwarming and I was so happy for him and subsequently so inspired by him that I just thought it, it deserved mention. It was so oh, it was such yeah, a beautiful I've watched his arc of his career from the truly from the ground up. I mean, I was one of the first people to be able to get to know him through the Kevin and Bean show when he was coming in, you know, in in the infancy of the soup. He had just moved to L.A. practically and, and you know, gone on a couple of auditions and and he had moved down from the Pacific Northwest and he had aspired to be an actor and be a performer and to watch him go from there to the point where he's sitting next to Michelle Obama. Uh, lampooning the president was uh, was unbelievable. It was a truly unbelievable uh, process to be uh, to be an observer of, and and again, it just was so tremendously inspiring to me as someone who wants to be uh, uh, make a career in the entertainment industry. And and I and I just felt so great for him, and I wish him nothing but the best. And he's always been so kind to me when he has been around. Um, so so that that's all I wanted to say. My turn? Yes. Now you, can, now you can interrupt and say whatever you want. One is, it was clear to me just the interaction between he and the president. Mm-hmm. Obama likes him yeah. a lot. Okay. Obama okay. really dug him, number one. Uh, number two, uh, he used to come out with me and Adam all, a lot. Yeah. And he one time, like early in the you know the multiple visits he made, he, he confided in me. He goes, you know, I used to listen to you guys up in Seattle, and I figured if I could get on this show with you two, I figured that's my career hit a pinnacle. <laughs> I know my career is doing well. And I thought, oh, man, you got a long way to go. You got a long, and indeed, here was, we are. I was listening when he here said we, that. Oh, when he said that, yeah, really? I was. Oh, for, oh, for God's sake. I sakes, swear to God, God, I know it sounds too cliche, but I totally was listening. No, that's so crazy. Is that? Am I getting it right? Is that what he said? No, he said, I, I used to sit back in Seattle and listen and think to myself, if I got to be a guest on Loveline, I know I've made it. That will right, be my that'll be yeah. my marking marking stick. That my my litmus test for my career. Okay, and the other thing he did that everyone should take note of that I've never seen is he. Most of those performers get up there and they do their thing and they finish and then that's that. They they take their punches at these people and they sort of. Joel at the end said something that I thought was so awesome because any of us in his shoes would feel the way he did. Did you, did you see the end of the presentation? I did not. I only watched, uh, like I said, highlights on this morning's he, uh, press Oh, shows. I watched every word of it. And he said, um, I, I, I was jumping out of my seat. I was so happy for him. But at the end he goes, listen, this, you know, I know you, I'm here because you couldn't get Fallon in here, <laughs> which I guess was true. That's what happened. He goes, but you have to understand this is the, one of the coolest things that ever happened to me in my entire life. I'm sitting next to the president. I mean, he just went, this is unbelievable. This is the coolest thing I could ever imagine. I, I shouldn't be here. Thank you for letting me do this. And, you know, for letting just, it was so humble and so great the way he said it. I thought, oh yeah, you can relate so strongly to him because anybody would feel that way. Sure. The other thing that this, now I'm pissed about some stuff is he, of course, was taking a little heat on social media. Everyone has to f- criticize fucking everybody. Um, 
And he got some heat for like reading his notes as opposed to sort of memorizing and stuff. There's no teleprompter, you know, and and he the way he did his presentation, he did a lot of jokes, a lot. He covered a ton of territory. Yes. And there's no way he could have memorized it. There was no way to prompt it. And he, he had to read these things. Most I think most of these guys that do this are stand ups. Yes. Which Joel really isn't a stand up. He's a comedic actor. Right. And they do a lot of building to specific jokes. You know, build, 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 joke, laugh, follow up, laugh. And that takes a lot of time the way they do it. Joel was covering some territory. If you if you really listen to his thing, he just he got in everything. And I was I, I was completely into it. I thought it was great. Yeah. So everybody that can't can't fathom no, somebody listen. reading a card. Listen, nine, everybody else that gets up there, first of all, is reading. And everything that you see when somebody gets to a podium, there's a prompter there of some type. His just happened to be down on the podium today. Here's the thing. Yesterday. And this is, I will hearken back to something I have more firsthand knowledge of. I do not know what it's like to host the White House Correspondents yeah. Dinner. But I, I came an ass hair away from hosting The X Factor both seasons. I made it within... There was essentially three or four people that were going to host this show, and then they ended up going with other people both years. But I was one of them, and they ran, they shot a lot of test shows. That's what people don't know is like leading up to the real thing, they shoot four or five test shows with real audiences and stuff. So I was Jeez. out there with Khloe Kardashian one year, and I was out there with Nicole Scherzinger another year. And the the year, uh, the most recent year before it got canceled, I was out there and did a couple shows with Khloe Kardashian. And uh, look, is she the best broadcaster in the world? No. But when she got out live, people lampooned her on social networks about how she looked uncomfortable. Blah, blah, blah. You know what? Maybe she did. It's fucking hard. Okay. You know, like, <laughs> I'm saying, yeah, yeah, she's not a seasoned broadcaster. And it's not that easy to do. And anyone, unless you are David Letterman or Ryan Seacrest making that tweet to Joel McHale, can go and shut your fucking mouth. Because any of you would have got out there in front of the president and his and his crew of people at the White House Correspondence Center and literally, not figuratively, shit in your pants and <laughs> run away. It is an impossibly tough job to do. Yeah. And I can only speak to, like, I, I'm relating it back to Khloe Kardashian because she did a fine job for someone in her position you you have no idea what it's like when they go 10, 9, 8, we're live, and you know millions of people are watching, and a crowd of 14,000 starts screaming their fucking heads off, and then you have to keep your composure and read and make it seem natural. Most right. people cannot do that. That's and, right. And it's like, you know, I guarantee you who's sitting at home on your couch putting away your fourth fucking hamburger and feeding your fupa, you sure as fuck can't do it. So keep your goddamn mouth shut. I don't write to people at JPL and tell you, you know, the way you broke down that chromosome was bullshit. You could do it. So that's fucking, you, you suck. The way you did that was gay. Because I don't know what the fuck I'd be doing. And I certainly can't do it any fucking better than them. So who am I to criticize? You know? Totally agree. Now I have another. I'm a, can I switch again? Real yes, topics. Yes. First of all, just both of us are, are saying the same thing. Congratulations, to Joel McHale. Yes, and congratulations. His wife was uh, in a lot of. They cut to her a lot hot. too. Well, she's awesome. Sarah's mm-hmm. awesome, and uh, they clearly were having the time of their life. And I just am so happy for them. They deserve it. God knows he deserves it. Yeah, and, uh, they could not pick a a better guy to sort of represent and get in there and uh, have a nice time with them. Um, I saw. Uh, the LBJ play last couple nights ago. Oh, you did? Yes, all the way it's called. Yeah. With uh, Cranston. Brian, Brian Cranston, Cranston, yes. Yeah. How Pretty was it? Fucking amazing. 
I, I mean, really just – and by the way, on Saturday night – I guess I wasn't there on a Saturday night. It was the uh, second show. They do an afternoon show too. Mm-hmm. And you can't believe how much he goes through in those two hours. Or That's three amazing. Hours. It's a three-hour play. It's three hours on the button. That's and, fantastic. Uh, and so I'm glad, I'm glad to hear it was awesome. Oh, my God. He he really brings Johnson to life. I mean, he, he's he's how I remember Lyndon Bain Johnson. He, he was, I mean, it was. How a, old were you when, when Johnson was in office? Like, I mean, you really, do you have memories? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I, I, had a, I had a weird thing that one of my son has, too. Where I remember everything from when I was like one. Yeah, but I, there's a difference between remembering things and I kind of having concrete ideas because I was alive and have memories of Reagan being in office, but I don't know any of his political, well, I didn't understand political aspects because I was five or seven years old, you know? Well, I, I had parents that talked about it a lot. And there was the, back in those days, everybody talked about it too. And there was, it felt like the world was unraveling, don't forget. Yeah. Uh, and and to, to be fair, I remember JFK getting shot and then it's a little vague those few couple years of the accidental presidency, and then when he was elected, I pretty much remember all that. I, I remember, I remember the riots, I remember the civil rights issues, I remember the, uh, I remember the Vietnam stuff. I remember Kent State. I've stood on the spot in Kent State where the kids were shot. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember all these things, and it was it was a crazy time. And I was like seven to nine years old, something like that. Really, what a chaotic time in our I remember history. when RFK was shot. Yeah, it was terrible. RFK was 68, right? Yep. 68 was the motherfucker year. Yep. Because that was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was killed. Um, RFK, uh, the Giants win the pennant, right? That, that was Bobby Thompson's big home run. I, we, I, we if, were, my bo- if my memory serves me, let me see. But you got to remember, there was there was blood in the streets. The streets ran red? Uh, I there was. I mean, you know who, who brought this home to me recently was uh, Dennis Rodman. No, uh, Shot Heard Around the World was 1951. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm a fucking idiot. Sorry. All right. R- Rodman was telling me, he goes, you know, during the r- r- the Dallas riots, he goes, I remember stepping over dead bodies. And he was a kid then. But he goes. Yeah, and but how much, mi- how much faith do you put in that? Dennis uh, Rodman. That, you don't remember how messed up it was back then. I he understand. Was, oh, I know it was 1968 that I'm thinking of. Was, uh, wasn't that 1968 also the Birmingham riots? There, there were riots all over the place. I remember being in San Francisco after a set of riots. When were the Watts riots? Watts riots were nasty. They were earlier. I, they were earlier. Okay, because, um, I mean, there's still, like, memorials to the Watts riots here in Los Angeles. I obviously was, was not alive, but, I mean, it, the riots of Watts, um, really kind of changed Los Angeles but, forever. But, but the point is there, were, there was rioting over the war. There yeah. was rioting over race. There was rioting over conventions. Washington, D.C., there was a big riot, I guess, in 1968, like a huge one. These, and these were no bullshit. I mean, these were yeah. huge cities. 1968 mean, Democratic uh, Convention riots. These were big Chicago. ones in Chicago. Okay, yep. yeah, that was like Abby Hoffman and those guys, look, right? Look at San Francisco. There was some yeah. big ones up there. I mean, there was it was... Out it was yeah this shit's Detroit. crazy this is Remember crazy Detroit it looks Atlanta. like um it looks like these pictures I'm looking at look like uh uh Croatia not Croatia um Ukraine now yeah and this is America like it's hard for, right. it's crazy for me to wrap my head around this and, and shit was popping call, off just think about you should you know CNN is running a special now about the Kent State experience I mean, there were college kids demonstrating and a whole line of three hundred soldiers lined up and just started just shooting started popping out. off yeah. I mean, imagine that. All I know is like the Neil Young song. That's all I know because I'm like I'm a spoiled new young kid, you know. 
Yeah. All I know is Four Dead in Ohio, Neil Young singing. Well, it, it was an extraordinary time, and, and really it really felt like the world. It, the it world really was did. Like, look, I, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm a dummy, but and I and I wasn't around then. But I look back on that as the the real turning point in modern American history. Like that, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, like our forefathers and things like that. That's when we we made these. Well, that that was the point that uh, this play was saying is that you know, it was about the civil rights movement. Really, it was saying. And he at the end he says, you know, when I LBJ says, you know, when I walked into my wife's delivery room after my first daughter was born, she goes, there was blood everywhere. I could see, still see the doctor's footprints of my wife's blood on the floor. And he said, that's how that's how something is born, and that's what's going on here. You know what I mean? That's something. When something is born, there's blood all over the place. It's traumatic. It's difficult, and it takes a little time, but it's it's never easy. Right. Yeah. And that's what he was saying. Now, he, that was the civil rights part, the Vietnam part. When you when you bring that alchemy into it, it's when everything started unraveling. And it's why the seventies were such a fucking mess. People were still reeling from all that. The president of the United States had just got in front of television, as as Louis C.K. says. We sat there with a, our president, got him on TV, and cried, and then quit. Yeah, he, he fucking That's sobbed nuts. like a madman, and, and then quit said, and I went quit. home. Yeah, and and went and got on a plane, raised his hands up, and disappeared. <laughs> that was what we were. I was that's twelve so, years old, that's or so fourteen nuts. or something. That is so nuts. Yeah, and we'd become we'd come so accustomed to nutty stuff that that was like okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, you know, you don't appreciate it until you look when back. When you think on about it, it so that no, way, one like of the seventies was such a fucking mess. You put it in that in those terms, and you're like, "What?" <laughs> you know, like put it in modern terms. Like, imagine Obama being like, "Ladies and gentlemen, folks, it's been a been a good run." Good no, no, no good I'm, run. <laughs> Starts sobbing like a madman, and then goes, "I quit. See you guys later." I slam down his pen again. Walks off the set. That, that's not how it happened, but I mean, that's it's just about that crazy. Yeah, I'm not a crook. Yeah, imagine that. What do you and, think, as someone who lived through President Nixon? What do you think about him as a president, aside from Watergate? He opened up China. That that's his great contribution. Yeah, and he was a super smart guy, but obviously deeply flawed. Hey, can I uh, listen? So we, as we wrap this podcast up, can I bring up something? There was another fucking uh, accident at a circus today. Oh, I know. Can we just Out be done with circuses? Yeah. Can we just in 2014? Can we say no more circuses, Mike? the The problem is that there's always going to be if if you get rid of the circuses, there's still Cirque du Soleil, and there's where they really do some dangerous shit. So well, listen, I imagine something. I don't care there too. if I don't care if humans put themselves in danger and then get danger. That's the same. Then then you say no more freestyle motocross. I'm talking about like. The idea of the traveling circus. It's not 1913. We've yeah. outgrown it. It's its really, really, really cruel to animals. It, it serves no purpose. It's just a breeding ground for methed out carnies to travel around and <laughs> fuck your daughters and then wow. make elephants do shit they shouldn't do. So let's stop it, okay? P.T. Barnum, suck my balls. Fuck everyone. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And then all the acrobats go to Cirque du Soleil. All the so acrobats. If you're a good acrobat, do Cirque du Soleil. If you're a good clown... Johnny Knoxville will fu- fucking hire you. Look mm. at Steve-O. Or follow in the footsteps of Eric Stone Street. What? He was a clown. <laughs> you didn't know that? It did not. He plays it on Modern Family a couple times. That's actually his clown character he was trained in. Oh, I don't watch the show. 
one eight hundred L O V E one nine one's a number. Oh wait, no, wrong I show. Good night, everybody. This is a great podcast, and we love you. And assalamualaikum. This concludes another podcast. One program.